Last week, I came into my office, and on my desk was this little package. It's homemade dinner rolls. I won't tell you who made it, but her initials are Bonnie Neville. And I love homemade bread. Love it. But what I really like about this is what the little note that she put on the front of it. It says this. God doesn't bless us just to make us happy. He blesses us to make us a blessing. And that's basically what we're going to be talking about this morning. What she put on the front of that bag of bread. I want to start in a little different place. I want to start with uh, a book. You know, at graduation time, uh, gifts are given to the graduates, and, and often books are chosen as a graduation gift. And one of the most popular books to be given to graduates is uh, a book by one of my favorite authors. It is funny how it's given sometimes to people who are graduating from preschool, which is kind of a big deal these days, or graduating from high school, graduating from college, or even graduate school. Same book is given. I want to read you a few excerpts from it and see if you can guess who the author is. It says, congratulations, today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. And when things start to happen, don't worry, don't stew. Just go right along. You'll start happening too. Oh, the places you'll go. You'll be on your way up. You'll be seeing great sights. You'll join the high flyers who soar to high heights. Except when you don't, because sometimes you won't. All alone, whether you like it or not, alone will be something you'll be quite a lot. Kid, you'll move mountains. So be, be your name, Bucksbaum or Bixby or Bray or Mordecai Ali and Alan O'Shea. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. Anybody have any idea who the author of that book is? Wow, you guys know your literature. That's really cool. Dr. Seuss, yeah, one of my favorite authors. Has been ever since I was a little kid just learning to read. I love his books. I love them now. I read them to my granddaughters because they're really fun to read aloud. But they're also fun because they have something significant to say. Well, we're continuing, our, and I think that has something significant to say about our vision. We're continuing to look at our our vision. Our vision hasn't fundamentally changed. It's seeking all who need Jesus and together becoming his fully devoted followers. But we said, you know, we need to be really clear about what it means to be a fully devoted follower. And it needs to be real simple so that it can be clear what a fully devoted follower does or is. And we've said a fully devoted follower of Jesus does three things. They love God, love people, and then serve others. When we talk about the, the, the dimension of loving God, that's sort of an upward dimension, a vertical relationship there where we just are devoted to God. And then we talked last Sunday about loving people 
And that's, that's an outward dimension, but it's pretty much an inside thing because mainly when we talk about loving people as followers of Jesus, we love one another. It's, there's an, kind of an inward focus with the body of Christ. But today we're going to talk about serving others, and that, that's a whole different matter altogether. That's getting outside of ourselves. It's not just about insiders. It's not just about us and one another kind of stuff, but it's about going out and loving and serving and taking care of people that aren't a part of us. That seems to be the most challenging dimension of being a follower of Jesus altogether. But God's plan has always been for his people not just to care about themselves or one another, but to care about other people. Not just the insiders, but the outsiders. And we see that way back at the very beginning of the Bible. In the first book, in the book of Genesis, God is just beginning his mission for humanity. And he he comes to a guy named Abram. And Well, let's read it in Genesis 12, beginning of verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. Can't stay here where it's comfortable, Abram. I don't want you to just sit where it's, it's all about you and yours, but I want you to go from all of that to the land I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and, and <clears throat> the one who curses you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God just appears out of the blue to this guy. Abraham didn't expect it. As far as we can tell, he didn't do anything in particular to deserve it. God just shows up to Abraham, Abram at that time. And he says, okay, Abram, I've got something for you to do. If Dr. Seuss were writing this, he would have said, congratulations, Abram, today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. And Abraham said to God, well, okay, where am I going to go? I mean, how will I know when I get there? Can I have a map or something? And God said, no, 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 no. That'd take all the fun and adventure and faith out of it. You just pack up and start going, and when you get where you're supposed to be, I'll let you know. You're just going to have to trust me, Abraham. You're going to have to leave this place where you're comfortable, where everything is cozy and you're secure here, and you're going to have to launch out in faith. Because I have a mission for you that involves the whole world. All of the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. So you can't just stay here. you got to go there. God says, I'm going to bless you. But that blessing is not just for you to keep for yourself. You need to turn around and share that. You need to be a blessing to other people. You see, in the final analysis... That's God's mission. I mean, when you boil it all down in its simplest form, God's mission can be summed up in two words, go and bless. God doesn't make us, doesn't bless us rather, just so that we can be happy or blessed. But he blesses us so that we can be a blessing. God says to Abraham, I'll bless you. And through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And that's the cornerstone of God's mission. That's how it started. And just so it's 
not something you think is just from this one verse. It just keeps going all the way through Genesis. That was Genesis 12. Look at Genesis 18, verse 18. God says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. Then Genesis 22, verse 17, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Then Genesis 26, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Then Genesis 28, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Do you notice a pattern here? Do you see God having a theme about what he's doing? What God is choosing Abraham and his descendants was all about blessing. We would call that today the mission statement for Abraham. We would call that today the mission statement for the nation of Israel. And the thing is, it's also the mission for us. God hasn't changed that. It's why we were put on this planet. It's why you were born. It's why you woke up this morning, so that you can go and bless. Now, that brings up the question, okay, what does bless mean? Because we get a little fuzzy sometimes about what it means to bless. It doesn't mean you go around saying bless you to everybody that you run into. Somebody sneezes, bless you. That's not the mission of God. I remember when I was a kid, we would, uh, somebody would say something that wasn't terribly complimentary about somebody. And they would, use, they would use a phrase that made it all okay. They said, bless his heart. You know, that, that boy, bless his heart, he just can't do much. Or that girl, bless her heart, she doesn't look like much, does she? And as long as you said, bless her heart, well, that made it okay to be rather unflattering in what you were saying. That's not what God is getting at here. That's not the idea of blessing. It's not when somebody sneezes, it's not excusing uncomplimentary things you say, and it's not just saying bless you to everybody you see. To bless means to give life, to enhance life, to make life abundant. Blessing is fundamentally what God does. And we see that way back at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. In verse verse 21, we're told, So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems. And then verse 22, And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas. God says to the fish, When I look at the water, I want to see fish everywhere. I want you guys just to bless. And he blessed those fish. Dr. Seuss would say, How many fish? did God make? One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Why did he make so many fish? God made so many things, I guess, so he would have some things to bless. Because God is all about blessing. And then later on in Genesis 1, he creates humanity, people, and he blesses them. But there's a difference when he gets to people from all the other things that he created that he has blessed because we are made in the image of God. And so God didn't create us just to be blessed, but he created us to be blessed so that we could turn around and bless others. We are to be a blessing. That's the ultimate mission statement. What's our mission It's to bless. Where do we do it? Wherever we go. When do we do it? Well, congratulations. Today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. Now, when we 
tell people that God has this mission for them to bless other people. The most common response, the most common reaction I get from people is starting to come up with all kinds of things that are reasons why they're really kind of exempt from that whole deal. You know, they say, well, you know, I, I, just, I just don't have a lot. I'm, I'm, I just don't have that giftedness. I, you know, I'm, I haven't been trained to do that. I don't know how I would begin to go about that. I don't really have a lot of resources. I've got so many things going on, and we come up with a million things to explain away why God should be using us to bless people. But the truth is, there's really only one thing required for God to make you a blessing to other people, and that's if you're willing to let him do it. Because that's the reason God put you here is to bless other people. It's not optional. It's why we were made. And I don't care how rich you get, how high you climb the ladder of success, how famous you become. If you're not blessing people, then you're missing what God created you for. Now, there's a lot of things that we can look at and and kind of excuse ourselves, give ourselves an exemption. But I was hearing someone recently, and I heard about a wonderful story about how God was using them to bless someone else. This, you, you probably, you may not know her. It's uh, Janetta Wildey. Janetta, would you, would you come on? Janetta has only been a, a member here for just a few months, but she was sharing her story with me and some other people. I thought, wow, what a wonderful thing to share, to, to bless the church here. What, won't you come? Just share with us what, how God's been using you. Good morning. I'm Johnetta. In 2002, several friends and I were working in Belize on a medical mission giving out reading glasses. The principal of the Corozal Church of Christ Primary School talked to my friend Jerry Judici about a problem the school was facing. A church in the U.S. could no longer support the school, and as a result, the school was lagging behind in payment Um, of some of the teachers' salaries by several thousand dollars. There was a possibility that the school would close. Our students are some of the poorest children in Corozal. Their parents can't not even afford the $35 per year that is needed for school supplies. Jerry is a dreamer. She told them that she would see what she could do to help. Our students are learning about Jesus in addition to getting an education We had to do what we could to keep the school open. Jerry tried unsuccessfully to find another church to help them. When that didn't work, she came up with another idea. Jerry has many ideas. She would get a dozen ladies to each send support. Jerry called to tell me her plan, and I said, count me in. My role with Jerry is to encourage her. The next job was to create an American school board. A group, a group of five women met in Kansas City to discuss our project. Members of the board needed to support the work monetarily as well as to visit the school each year. We made a decision on our first meeting that nothing would be taken from our money except what is spent on the school. Everyone pays for our own expenses except... Um, and for any improvements we make. We were a small number, but that didn't matter. Over and over, Jerry said, if God wants this to happen, 
it will happen, and it did. Several individuals helped us initially, and the Christian Relief Fund gave us $300 per month for about two years until we could find some other form of support. In 2004, the government put three of the four teachers we were supporting on their payroll. In Belize, if you will provide a building, the country will pay the teacher when the class size reaches uh, 25 students. They don't care how much religion you teach as long as you teach their curriculum. Today, we are paying one teacher, the general manager, one paraprofessional, and someone to clean the restrooms. In the summer of 2003, a, group went, a small group went down to work at the school, and in 2004, the Belizean school board, um, we met with the Belizean school board for the first time. When we started, we dealt with communication problems between the teachers, principal, and the board. We gave them advice and financial support. Here are a few pi- pictures of the evolution of the school. The school started in... 1992 as a two-room schoolhouse. And when we took over in um, 2003, it looked like this. And please notice the tin roof to the left um, because you'll see in the next picture that we raised the roof. We We immediately began to work to improve the school building as well as provide supplies for the teachers and students We added three classrooms and a library computer room, a playground for the little kids, and upgraded the interior. Three years ago, we floated the floors, a new term for me, and probably became the first school in the Corozal District to have tiled floors. We also built a concrete fence around the property, and you can see the school today. The atmosphere in the school continues to improve, Now when we go down to the school, one of our roles is to love on the students, the teachers, and the board. Our students excel in academics, sports, and cultural activities. We have over 200 students in preschool through eighth grade. Nearly all of our kids pass the national exam that makes them eligible to attend high school. Our school is a hurricane shelter So the National Emergency Management Organization built a bus shelter and a paved road in front of the school so that vehicles could easily respond in case of emergency. We now have the best road in the whole town, and that is no lie. We are a small group of ladies with a big dream of serving a loving God. Without him, none of this would have been possible. We all play different roles. For the last 20 years, one of my favorite verses is Ephesians 2.11, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. We believe God gives us opportunities, and it's up to us to take them. The school's mission statement is on the front of the building, educating the mind and the soul. Our goal is to work with the local board and principals so that the school can be run by the local people. God's goal may be to keep us there. We are certainly getting more out of this than they are. 
It is his work, and he can do with it what he wants. All he has called us to do is to be faithful. In the future, I hope to share slides and tell you stories about this school. Please remember, if God wants it to happen, it will happen. Thank you. Thank you, John Adam. Isn't it amazing what God can do with 12 ladies? I mean, we we have so many excuses that we make, so many things that we come up with about why I can't go and bless. But we've seen a, a classic example of how we can. And by the way, Johnetta and James Voss are, uh, are going to be married next year. Uh, congratulations on that. Uh, next month. Next month. Thank you. Yeah. Next month. <clears throat> what an amazing thing God does when we make ourselves available to him. I mean... This business of I don't have enough resources. Janetta, you're a retired school teacher. I don't have enough resources. I'm too old. I'm too young. I've never done this before. I'm unskilled. I don't know what to do. I wouldn't know how to go about it. We can come up with all kinds of things to give ourselves a pass. But God says, look, go and bless. And if you're willing I'll take what you are giving. I'll take what you're willing to do, and I'll make it a blessing to people. And God calls all of us to do that. He can do that with you. You may not go to Belize or to Panama or to Canada or to Africa. Chances are most of us here in this room, that's not where God's going to call us to go and bless. Most of us may do it right here in Collin County, Texas, but there are all kinds of opportunities to help people, to bless people who are so much in need. Sometimes we get, we, we get this, what Eugene Peterson calls the disease of Afghanistanitis. He says that's when you think you have to go to some exotic place halfway around the world or have some extreme situation before you can really be used by God, before you can bless people. He says that's not true. The truth is we can serve in the same way right here at home. You don't have to go to another country. You can go right down here down the street to Boyd Elementary and serve. You can go up the road to the Samaritan Inn and serve. You can go around the corner to Allen Community Outreach and serve. You can bless people. You can allow God to use you in all kinds of ways right here where we are. You can do it just as you go about your daily life. Arnold Billy does. Arnold Billy is a rural mail carrier in southern New Jersey. Every day, he makes his route of 63 miles through two counties and five municipalities delivering the mail. But he doesn't just deliver the mail. He is a full-service post office right there in his little truck. I mean, you can get stamps from him. You can get money orders from him. You can get anything you can do at the post office. You can do with Arnold Billy and more. There's one lady that has trouble starting her lawnmower. So when she's wanting to mow her lawn, she leaves it out by the mailbox. He stops, gets out of his truck, starts her lawnmower, and then keeps on going because he's there to serve. He's there to help. That's the kind of servant's heart 
that allows God to use us in wonderful ways. What would happen right here in Collin County if all of us who were followers of Jesus said, okay, I'll bless people. I will bless people. And we did it just where we go, what we're doing, and our jobs. I don't care if you're a mail carrier or a school teacher. I don't care if you're a, a, a somebody that's driving a truck or somebody that's calling on clients or somebody that's doing anything. God can use us right where we are to bless people. Now, if we have been blessed, it's so that we can be a blessing. But the question is, have we been blessed? Have you been blessed? Sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes we think, I haven't really been that blessed. You know, I'm really struggling right now. I asked Adam if we could sing Count Your Blessings in the service today, an old song that some of us used to sing a long time ago. might have been the first time some of you ever heard that song. But it's a neat song. The concept is wonderful. Count your blessings. Yeah, there's struggles, but we need to focus on how God has blessed us. But you know what I thought about? We sang that song a lot. I don't ever remember us doing that in church. We never actually counted our blessings. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we did a blessings inventory? Just take a couple of minutes and do a blessings inventory. So get a, get a piece of paper or get the back of your bulletin or something. Get a pen or a pencil or a crayon or a lipstick or whatever you want to write with. Or use your smartphone. Do, go to the notes section in your far, smartphone. Or you can just do this in your head. Let's do a blessings inventory. You know, one of the things, Andy Stanley says, one of the problems rich people have is they don't know they're rich. But we've been blessed financially. Every one of us in here has been blessed financially. We don't know we're rich, but you can tell. You know how you can tell you're rich? By the problems you have. Okay? Anybody here ever complain about bad cell phone coverage? You ever have a problem, you know, dropping calls and everything? That's a rich people problem. Okay? There are people that will never have a cell phone. That's a rich people problem. You ever have computer problems? I was talking to somebody here a couple of weeks ago that had two computers crash in one week. That's awful. Man, that is so difficult and so frustrating, and it's a rich people problem. There's people all over the world that will never have a computer. That's a rich people problem. What about if you have car trouble? Same thing. What about if, oh, here's one. Man, our flight was delayed. It was awful. That's a rich people problem. Most people in the world never get on an airplane to go anywhere. We have all of these things that we think are so horrible, and all it is is just showing us how blessed we are financially because we are. It's not just that. We're blessed. If you're blessed financially, write that down. How about, how about with a home? You've been blessed with a home? There's another category. This week I was driving back from Baylor downtown visiting somebody there, and I drove through the, the neighborhood kind of north of Fair Park, went past the old Peak and East Side Church of Christ. It's still there. Some of you have been there. And they have two or three porches, and on every porch there was at least one, if not two, homeless people. Had, it was a cold day, had all of their stuff in a bag or two beside them. You got a home to live in? Might not be as nice as somebody's. You got a home, you are blessed. What about Transportation. You got a car, might not be new, might not be what you'd like, might not be the really fancy thing somebody else has. You got a car or you got a bike or you got money to ride a bus or take a cab, then you're blessed. What about education? <clears throat> a lot of people, like the people in this school that, uh, that Johnetta 
was helping. A lot of people don't even get to go to school if people don't do something like that. A lot of people, throughout history, most people have never even been able to read or write. You have an education, you think, boy, that's not a blessing. I got all these loans I got to pay. That's a blessing most people will never have. What about friends? Do you have friends? God has given you a blessing. There's so many people who don't have anybody to talk to. What about, what about uh, forgiveness? Anybody ever forgiven you? Has God forgiven you? What about a gift of the Spirit? Have you got a spiritual gift? What about the, having the Spirit with you as God has promised? There's eight different things, eight different categories and I'm going to show hands on this. How many of us have been blessed in at least half of those, at least four of those eight categories? Just raise your hand. Yeah, we're all blessed. Every single one of us is blessed beyond what we even realize. <clears throat> Why can't we be a blessing to other people? We need, we need an attitude of blessing. We need a servant's heart. Read this week about somebody that had gone over to, I think it was Kenya, somewhere over in Africa with World Vision. And they were at a school very much like the one Janetta described. And these kids, they said the first thing they noticed is that there were absolutely zero discipline problems. The kids were so well behaved. They were so focused because they were just thrilled to be able to go to a school at all, to have some opportunity for education. They were just soaking up everything the teacher was saying. And the guy said he was just amazed at that. But after a few minutes, somebody, one kid that was sitting there had been writing something down. He took the ballpoint pen that he had and he threw it across the room and hit this kid in the head. The guy thought, whoa. And the kid just reached down and picked up the pen. It was on the floor, picked up the pen and he started writing some things with it. And then after, after a minute or two, he took the pen and he threw it across the room to the other side of the room and another kid picked it up and started writing something with it. And then after that, he threw it to a girl who picked it up and she started writing something with it. And he finally realized these kids aren't throwing that pen at each other. They're throwing it to each other because they only had one. Some kid had been blessed with a little cheap ballpoint pen. You know, probably one of the 10 for a dollar things you get down at the dollar store. But he had one, and he was using it to bless other people. That's the spirit of blessing, the spirit of serving that God calls us to have. And we do that wherever we go, but there are two places primarily that we have to do that. And we see these in Jesus' life. The first one, the first area we learn about from Jesus is at the very beginning of his ministry. In Luke, Luke chapter 4. He's at the synagogue. They've handed him the scroll to read. He turns to Isaiah, and here's what he reads. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, verse 14 of Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Jesus is going and blessing the poor, the people that don't have anything, the people that are just on the margins, the people that are the disenfranchised, that are just trying to eke out a living. Jesus was always with them, caring for them, serving them, feeding them, blessing them. And if we're gonna do what Jesus does, then we're gonna have to care for the poor. 
Some of you are saying, well, that sounds pretty good to me. I'm kind of poor. You know, I look at everybody else around, I feel really poor. No, 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 we're rich. We have been blessed so much. We need, to, we need to care for one another. We need to care for people and serve people that are poor. But there's a second thing that we need to do, and that's in the very next chapter of Luke, Luke chapter 5. There's a second type of people we need to go to, Luke chapter 5, verse 32. Jesus says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus was constantly not just going to people that were poor and struggling to deal with life, but Jesus was going constantly to people who were struggling with spiritual things, people who were far from God, people who everybody considered the spiritual outcasts and losers and rejects, people that none of the religious people wanted to have anything to do with. They were excluded from everything, but not Jesus. Jesus ate with them, and he talked with them, and he hung out with them, he touched them, he included them. He loved them, and he served them. You see, what God started with Abraham came to fulfillment in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says in Galatians 3 verse 8. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you because this is all one story. What God started in Genesis, blessing people to be a blessing, and he continued with Abraham. He continued and brought to its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And he says, if you're going to be like Jesus, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, then you need to be serving people. You need to be caring for people. The question is, are we doing that? We need to be loving people to bring them to Christ. I was talking to somebody this week who said to me, you know, when, when I was real, real little, we moved into a neighborhood, moved into a house, and my, my parents weren't really members of a church, really weren't, they didn't have a spiritual life that much, but we moved into somebody that were followers of Jesus, and they just, they just started loving us, and they loved us, and they cared for us, and they took care of us. And she said, they loved my mom and dad into the church. And that's what God wants us to do. If we're going to bring people to Jesus Christ, we're not going to do it by beating them over the head. We're going to do it by serving them, by loving them, by caring for them. Jesus got to the very end of his life here on this earth. He had been crucified, he died, he rose again. He was about to go back to the Father. And he got his disciples together. And it was graduation time, it was commencement time. He said, you know all this stuff we've been doing for these last several years? He said, here's here's what we've been getting you ready for. Matthew 28 and verse 18. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Same thing God told Abraham. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the greatest blessing of all. 
Go to the land I will show you, he said to Abraham. And he says to his followers, go into all the lands and bless these people, love these people, serve these people, care for these people. And the best way we can bless them is to introduce them to Jesus Christ. Then Jesus said to him, to his graduates, I know that Matthew didn't write it exactly this way, but he said to him, oh, the places you'll go. Oh, the places you'll go. You'll stand before kings. You will you'll go into places that you never dreamed would learn about Jesus. You'd talk to people that you wouldn't think would have anything to do with him. You'll be beaten because of your faith and you'll count it a joy to suffer for my name. You'll be arrested, thrown in prison, and you'll be singing songs. You'll have nothing. You'll have no 401Ks. You'll have no IRAs, but you'll be outrageously happy because you'll trust completely in me, and then you'll be blessed above all. It's what Jesus invited them to, and it's what he invites us to as we become his fully devoted followers. Let's pray together.